Well, Sunday mornings, we've been studying the first chapter of Genesis, and I'd like for you to turn over to the first chapter of Genesis. I believe that what we've got in this first chapter is a picture of the elect of God. The earth is a picture of God's elect. And we see in the, in the first chapter of Genesis, we see uh, the church as, is it, as it is innocent, Innocent, this it would be the creation of, the, of God creating his people. That would be the earth in the first verse of Genesis. And the scripture says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And I believe we find the very picture of everything that the elect of God is in this first chapter of Genesis. I believe we find the picture of baptism particularly particularly baptism and circumcision because, well, I should have put circumcision first, but I'll just go ahead and leave it there because uh, there were two steps that you had to, well, actually three, that you had to partake of to become a proselyte. A proselyte, a proselyte in Israel was a convert. When you talk about proselyte, a proselyte meant to convert someone from one thing to another thing. Uh, in fact, I remember that was a common terminology among preachers when I was a kid about not proselyting someone from another religion. They, if he's raised Church of Christ, if he's raised Baptist, he should stay that. Well, that's what a lot of people believe, but we don't believe in denomination. We believe in the truth of God's Word. Well, a proselyte was a Gentile. It was a Gentile who was converted over to Judaism, to Judaism, and in that conversion process, well, the number one thing they had to do was, well, actually, the first thing they had to do was repent. Repent, and of course, repent means to be turned and then think differently, and of course, the Scripture says that God grants repentance. The goodness of God leads us to repentance, and what causes us to repent and turn from self of course, is new birth. New birth, and then we are born of God, and in this new birth, since we're children of God, we have to turn from our way, and the word repent is M-E-T-A-N-O-I-A, metanoia, or metaneo. One is the verb, and the other is the noun. And, and this, you actually see the earth reborn. You see the earth reborn after it after darkness enters, after darkness enters the earth's atmosphere, and after there's a great chaos, all the scholars call this chaos uh, that happens in the second verse of Genesis. In Genesis 1-1, the earth is innocent, and then in 1-2, the earth became without form and void. It actually says became uh, without form and void, and God said all that he created... In Isaiah 45 and 18, he said, I didn't create anything uh, in vain. And the word in vain is the same word, is without form. God said, my creation wasn't the second verse of Genesis. My creation was in the first verse. And he said, what I created was not in vain. Well, of course, Satan is God's, is God's messenger. And the word in vain is tohu, T-O-H-U-W. T-O-H-U-W, that's the same word, 
That's the same word in Genesis 1-2 as Isaiah 45-18, that uh, God didn't create anything empty or without any purpose. So the creation was the first verse. That's a picture of us uh, when we're babies and all of God's elect, all of God's elect uh, are born elect. And I did a series on do babies go to hell. We know babies don't go to hell. We do believe in predestination, but we believe that, uh, that babies do not go to hell because uh, you have something called Calvinist. Calvinist believe, most of them believe that babies go to hell. We believe in predestination, but we believe that the word predestinate is the word pro-horizo, pro-horizo. And of course you have the horizo, this word, you have the horizo in the first chapter of Genesis because pro means before, before, and horizo is the Latin word H-O-R-I-Z-O-N. Of course there's no H in the Greek, there's a diacritical mark and it has an H sound, horizo, and the Latin's added in the N. And the horizon is the boundary between light and darkness. And of course, you find the horizon in the first chapter of Genesis. And the word horizo means to bound. And the horizon being the boundary or the division of light and darkness has to do with repentance. In fact, you find the repentance in the first chapter of Genesis because you find that the earth is, is rotating around the sun and it goes around the sun. We say it goes around every 365 days, and the Jews say every 360 days. Well, we know that it's 365.143097.6. Uh, they measured their years by 360 days, but they made those up by adding certain days over a, a lengthy period of time, or God has that worked out according to the leap years, and I don't have time to go into that. I did that on 70 weeks of Daniel. Of course... The sun is the picture of Christ. In fact, he's called the son of righteousness, and it is even spelled S-U-N. So this is where the light comes from. The earth is rotating on its axis, and it's, as it's rotating, it's going, it's turning. It turns from light to darkness to light to darkness. It keeps turning back to darkness, and that's a picture of us constantly after we're born again we have a tendency to go back to sin and God turns us around and he turns us around by the fiery trial, fiery trial. And he, as he turns us by this fire, we have a tendency to turn less to self the longer we live and the older we get because we, this is called a, a blood baptism and that's what the six days are. They're like a blood baptism and a blood baptism was a death. It was a death, and that was also drinking of a cup was a death. Uh, to drink of a cup meant to undergo a death. And you find that the earth has to repent, just like we have to repent. Repent means to turn from self to God. And of course, Jesus said in Luke 13 and 3, 13 and 3, he said that except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. That is present tense. That word repent in Luke 13 and 3 is present tense, subjunctive mood. When you couple the present tense with the subjunctive mood in the Greek, it means continual turning over and over. So you have the picture of the earth turning over and over, and you have it rotating around the sun and or rotating around the light, and light was always equated with truth throughout 
uh, the scriptures and you have the moon uh, going around and around the sun. Now, whenever the moon is going around, uh, excuse me, the moon going around the earth, it goes around the earth and a new moon is a new month. And we, we know that the Babylonians worshiped, the, they were moon worshipers, but the moon gets her light from the sun and she was called Queen of Heaven because you find uh, Queen of Heaven that's because if you look in that first chapter, you see that in the first chapter, you see that over here in the, uh, over here on the, uh, on the fourth day, and God let, verse 14, God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. Now, on the fourth day, the division of day from night, four is always identified in Scripture as the number of God's judgment, God had four judgments. God had four judgments. He had sword, famine, pestilence, and the beast. And God says that he will punish Israel seven times for their sin. Seven is always the number of a refining baptism. Now, to divide the day from the night here in the first chapter, uh, the division of day and night is, that's actually the word prohorizo. Prohorizo means to bound or to put us inside the light, and God's kingdom was called the kingdom of light. And we know that the word prison is the word P-H-U-L-A-K-E, phulake. That word phulake is the word prison, prison. And this word prison, phulake, means the division, division. In fact, if you look this up in your Strong's, it'll actually say division of day and night. So those who are in prison... They're in darkness. They're divided to the darkness. And those of us who are predestinated, prohorizo, we are separated to the light. In fact, the word aporizo, aporizo, is that word separate. When Paul said that I was separated from my mother's womb to preach the gospel, it comes from apo and horizo. It means to set off the boundary line. So you find predestinate where he divides the light from the darkness, you find the earth going round and round. Uh, in fact, the earth is rotating once every 24 hours, and every day, every 24 hours, it has to go back to darkness, and then it comes back to self, or it comes back to the light. That's a picture of us. We have a tendency to go to darkness, come back to light, go to darkness, come back to light. And everything you see in this first chapter, you're going to see the very picture in the life of the elect, and of course, the moon worshipers, that was the Babylonians. They worshipped the queen of heaven. Babylonians were the, were the moon worshippers. They worshipped the Lord moon, called him Mene, M-E-N-I, M-E-N-I. And that word, uh, Mene, or M-E-N-I-Y, that, that is the word numberer. And Israel was, Israel was condemned in the 65th chapter of Isaiah for pouring out drink offerings to that number. And Mene is one of the names for Allah. Allah was the tree god. He was the tree god. The tree god and the tree goddess was androgynous. Sometimes whenever the tree goddess was male, it was called Allah. And when it was female, it was called Venus or Aphrodite. Or Aphrodite. So, and the reason they said they called it, this word Mene means number, that's because the moon numbered the seasons. And they worshipped a false light in the ancient world. Uh, 
everything that, that the moon gets, the light from the moon comes from the sun. It's a reflection of the light of the sun. And when the Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom is no uh, variableness nor shadow of turning, everything that people want to take credit for is in the darkness. And you can only be a moon worshiper when you're in darkness. When the scripture says in James the fourth chapter that God resisteth the proud, resisteth is the word A-N-T-I, T-A-S-S-O-M-A-I, and that word means to wage war against, wage war against, wage war. This is the word resisteth, resisteth. When he resisteth the proud, the word proud is H-U-P-E-R-E-P-H-A-N-O-S, huperephanos, and it comes from hooper, hooper meaning above, above, and the word phanos, P-H-A-I-N-O-S, which means to shine. Now, the only place you can shine above others is to be in darkness and be a moon worshiper. And Babylon was the mother of all idolatry in Revelation 17 and 5. And she was built upon, let us make us a name. That would be a picture of the moon taking credit for the reflection of the light that it's getting from the sun. How can the moon do that? And they worship this queen of heaven and she was always identified as the water god or the water goddess, and that's a pollution of the fish that's created on the fifth day here in Genesis, the first chapter. And I'm going to give you this word. In fact, I might give you that here in just a moment. Let's, I'm going to go back and forth in this first chapter of Genesis so you can see these various things. Let's look at verse 14. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven, to divide the day from the night. When you see divide day from night, you ought to put phulake, prison. And the spirits in prison were those who were in darkness or the Gentiles from Abraham to Christ because God had given his spirit to one flesh and the Holy Spirit is truth, John 14, 16, 17, John 15, 26, John 16, 13, 1 John 5 and 6, the Holy Spirit is the truth. So whenever we have the truth, <clears throat> We have the Holy Spirit, and we find the Holy Spirit moving upon the face of the waters where there is darkness. Now, if you'll notice that, goodness, i got so many places to go. Go back to verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, or the earth became without form and void. That happened after the events of verse 1, because God said, what I created was not in vain. And then darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the earth invited the Spirit of God to move upon its face. Is that what it says? And the earth accepted Christ. The earth prayed the sinner's prayer. No, the Spirit moved at will, didn't it? Remember in the third chapter of John, and, and Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Marvinoth, that I say unto you, you must be born again. And then he said, the, the wind bloweth where it listeth, the wind blows where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, and canst not tell from whence it cometh, nor whence it, whither it bloweth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. The Spirit bloweth, or the Spirit, the word Spirit is P-N-E-U-M-A, and that is the word breath. And we get the word pneumonia from that because that's a disease of the lungs and you can't breathe well. So the wind bloweth where it listeth, and 
thou hearest the sound thereof. Canst not tell from whence it cometh or whence it bloweth. The word listeth is the word T-H-E-L-E-O, thaleo. It comes from T-H-E-L-E-M-A, and that word thalema or thaleo means to determine. Determine, and it's the same word, or it comes from the same word, thalema, in John 1.13, when the scripture says, speaking of the new birth, John 1.13, that we're born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That word thalema, listeth, is that word meaning to determine or to will. The Holy Spirit blows where it wants to blow because the word spirit is pneuma and it means breath. It breathes whoever it wants to breathe upon. So you find the sovereignty of God here in that second verse when he says, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and there was darkness there. And when the Holy Spirit comes to our life, he says, we're born in innocence, then darkness comes, and then God says, let there be light. Now, let me just show you this. Let light be. The light is created in the first verse. This is a picture of circumcision after we die in our sin, and sin comes upon our lives. This is a picture then our hearts, we become without form and void. And then God at his will moves his spirit wherever he wills. The earth is the picture of the elect in the first, in the first chapter of Genesis. And when he says the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, the scientists tell us that there, at one time there was a dust cloud around the earth and that God, and that uh, God, they didn't say God, <laughs> they, that there was a dust cloud and that there had to be, in order to have respiration and photosynthesis, you have to have light. Everything was there. Everything was bringing forth seed after its kind. There was some kind of creation in the beginning that was a good creation. It was created in innocence. And then the earth becomes without form and void, and God sends the Holy Spirit. Do you think this is the same Holy Spirit that he called the truth in the New Testament? Or is this another kind of a different kind of Holy Spirit from the Holy Spirit of truth? It's the truth, isn't it? It's the same Holy Spirit that moves. And this is a picture of the sovereignty of God. God sends the Spirit, and he doesn't invite the darkness to move away. He commands it. That's why the Scripture says in John, the first chapter, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. And the light shineth in darkness, and darkness comprehended it not. That's what the Word was in the beginning. This was the light shining upon the darkness. That's what God was saying. Now, go back over. I want you to notice. When he says, let there be light, that's a picture of circumcision. God's saying, let the light in. He circumcises our ears, and then we can hear. Then you have light over here in the 14th verses down through the 19th verses, but that's a picture of God's separation of light. The light was created in the first verse. Let's go back over here to the 14th verse. God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the night, to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons. And what is it that numbers the seasons? Mene, or the numberer. So they worshiped the Lord moon, and when they did that, 
They were proud because Babylon was built upon, let us make us a name, and the only place you can shine is in darkness. That's why God's, that's why Paul said in the sixth chapter of Ephesians, he said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. And what's the ruler of the darkness? Down here in the, uh, in the verse 16, and God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. We wrestle against flesh and blood, not against flesh and blood, but against, against rulers of the darkness, against spiritual wickedness in high places. High places was a particular term for the place of the tree gods or Allah or Venus that they put up outside the city. They had the high places. And he said, we wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places. So you've got the very picture here uh, the ruler of the night, that's the moon worshipers, and they worship a false light, one that shines from the sun, and they can only go into the darkness. You can only shine when you are in darkness. You cannot get in the sunlight and shine, can you? You ever turned a light on? Have you ever turned a flashlight on in the middle of the day? You can't see it, can you, if you shine it away from you? Neither can, when you get in darkness, can men see you, and that's a picture of covering us up in that 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians, we need to be covered up serving and worshiping God. That's the picture of the spiritual Nazarite, and there we could go into that right here. Then he set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. Think spirits in prison. And what does, what's the word to, to pardon and release from prison? It's the word forgiveness. Forgiveness is the word A-P-H-E-S-I-S, aphesis. That's the word that means to pardon and release from prison. And you have to have forgiveness in order to be pardoned and released from prison. And that is the word forgiveness, forgiveness. And forgiveness is a response to repentance or to our turning. So we have this very picture, the response to turning in the first chapter of Genesis is a very picture of the response to turning in our lives. That's called forgiveness, and that means to come out of darkness to light or to come to the horizon and come from the phalake or come from prison. And then we become prisoners of Jesus Christ because Paul said, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. We were prisoners in darkness. Now we're prisoners of Christ. You see that everything in this chapter is a picture of everything in the rest of this book. There is not a more complex chapter in the Bible than the first chapter of Genesis. I want to get to this fifth day. Well, let's back up and look at the third day. Back up to, let's look at the second day. <laughs> let's go back to, to verse 6. God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so, and God called the firmament heaven. He's not talking about the heavens where he lives. He's talking about this area of the sky. He's got waters up here, waters up here, and he's got waters down here in the earth, and he's got space. Uh, we call this the heavens. 
is the place, is the atmosphere here. The, the heavens would be anything that's above the ground between here and the sky. Well, God divided the waters above the firmament from the waters under the firmament, and the firmament was the heavens. This is the heavens, heavens. In fact, the word heaven comes from the word in the New Testament Greek. It comes from the word horizo. It's the word uranos, and uranos, we get the word uranus. That's the word heavens. And uranus or uranos comes from the word horos, which is the word mountain. And a mountain was a capital city of empire that ruled to the border or the horizo. Now, I want to show you something here. And God called the firmament heaven. So what God did here, he divided, God divided the floodwaters in the first chapter of Genesis. He divided the floodwaters that were to come in the future. It's not like he was guessing at what was going to happen. God put the floodwaters up here and put the waters on the earth down here and put a space between it. And for 1,356 years, 56 years, these waters stayed up here until Noah. From Adam until Noah was 1,356 years. And these waters above the firmament, God reserved those for judgment later on. Well, let's look and see, did he do it? Look here in the second chapter of Genesis. It never rained from Adam until Noah. Never. The Bible says so here in the second chapter of Genesis, verse 4. These are the generation of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Made is a word. It's a potter's term. Create was a righteous term. In every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not a man to till the ground but there went up a mist from the earth. Now, all the time this water is up here, how is the earth being watered? There's a mist goes up from the ground. We know that some of the scientists say that the reason that those men lived a long time back then is there was a, a covering over the earth, something that really stopped all the ultraviolet rays, and the ultraviolet rays is what causes us to get disease and die quickly. And whenever, if you go to a doctor and you want to know, how to help your son or your daughter who's sick get over a cold, they'll tell you to put up a humidifier in their room, won't they? And that brings health. If you drink a lot of water, it gives you healthy skin. You don't have as many wrinkles. Everybody's going to start drinking water, aren't they? Now, that's, that's one of the reasons we believe they lived five, six, seven, eight hundred, nine hundred years was because there was this mist uh, through the earth and it watered the whole face of the ground. That's how they got their water or their regular, instead of rain, it had never rained before. Can you really prove that to me with what, some more verses? Well, let me give you another verse in Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Let's see if actually, what do you think, what do we think God's talking about here? I may just kind of skip around this first chapter of Genesis. There's some things I really want you to see. Here in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse 7. This is the Faith's Hall of Fame. This is what this is called because you see in here, by faith, uh, Abel, by faith, Enoch, verse 5, by faith, Noah, verse 7. That's the verse we're going to look at. By faith, Abraham, in verse 8. Uh, by faith, 
uh, all these great men of God, Isaac by faith, Jacob by faith, uh, Moses by faith, Rahab by faith, all of these various people. This is the faith chapter. Now, look at verse 7. By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet it had never rained before. This verifies that second chapter and verse, uh, verse 5 and 6 where he caused the mist to water the ground and that it had never rained before up till Noah. And he set the waters aside back here in the first chapter in that second day. He reserved the waters above the firmament. What do you think he was expecting to flood the earth? Had he planned it according to his orderly arrangement? Well, certainly he has. He's got it set up in the first chapter. What's he going to do with that water up there? He's going to drop it one day. When he does, there's going to be a great flood. So he says, by faith, Noah being one of God, of things not seen as yet. And when it, the rest of this verse says, faith is doing, isn't it? We are obedient to faith. Faith is the substance. Hupostasis, hupostasis. Hupostasis comes from hupo, meaning under or through. The staros, staros is the word cross, or stasis means to stand. It comes from histome, meaning upright. And this means to continually stand and die to self. And when you die to self, faith cometh by hearing. Hear and obey are the same word in the Greek and the Hebrew. So whenever we have faith, we obey. And what does it say here? By faith. Noah being warned of God that it had never rained before. Now what it saying? You say, well, that wouldn't be so strange, water falling out of the sky. Well, if you'd never seen water fall out of the sky... Yes, it would. To them, water falling out of the sky, what is this? Great big drops of what? water coming out of the sky. We never heard of such thing in the history of the world. Might as well be dropping anvils out of the sky. But they were, can you imagine? Wait a minute, we got this mist coming up from the ground. Well, they didn't have time to say that, did they? The Bible says the fountains of the great deep were broken up like that. I mean, Noah was sitting in this ark, and they didn't run up to the ark and go, Noah, let me in. It's like the scripture says, the fountains, the iron, the eye of the Lord of the great deep went crush. And Noah probably took off on a wave about a thousand feet high. And there he goes. There wasn't nobody knocking on his door. They didn't have time to do that. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear prepared an ark. Faith prepared, didn't it? Prepared an ark to the saving of his house, family, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. And that's God working in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now let's go back there to the first chapter of Genesis. I got to show you some things here. Now, I don't know where I want to go from here. All right. The third day, we see the second day that he divides the water from the waters. Look down here in verse 9. God said, well, the evening and morning were the second day when he, was, when he was dividing the waters from the waters. He was preparing judgment the second day. And then the third day, and God said, let the waters under the heaven, verse 9, be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear and it was so and God called the dry land earth and the 
gathering together the waters called he seas, and God saw that it was good. Now, these are the waters that are under the heavens that he's gathering together. He's actually separating the chaos. He's putting everything in an orderly arrangement. You have six days of making and forming. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding tree and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind. After what kind? He's not creating the fruit tree here, is he? No. After the kind that's in the muck. Evidently, this fruit tree was here in the first verse. Everything is here after its kind. And then he says, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. It's already here. And it was so. I've been talk, I've talked about the word it was so. So is mentioned six times. That's the number of man all through the scripture. And the word so in, let me just go ahead and write this down again, give this to you. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about gematria this morning, give you some more gematrics because gematria is the construction of the Greek alphabet and the Hebrew alphabet. And when these alphabets were created and when they were originated, there were particular, each one of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet was given a numerical equivalent. And I've got that in these up here on the, up here on to my, right right here you've got the uh, here's the hebrew alphabet and here is their here is what each one of these the aleph is one the baith is two the gimel is three the daleth is four the hay is five the wav or the vav is six the zion is seven het eight tet nine yod ten kop twenty and then they they go all the way down through here they go down to a ninety a hundred two hundred three hundred four hundred and that's the the tav and uh and then, then you've got the Greek alphabet. This was the numerical, the numerical equivalents of the, the uh, Aleph, Beta, Gamma, Delta, Epsilon, uh, Vol, the Zeta, the Eta, the Theta. This is the numerically uh, correct, correct numerical values of the Greek alphabet. And I'm going to show you some things because it's very important that we understand this. This word, it was so, was mentioned was mentioned uh, six times, and it is the, it was so. Each time God would do a work in the six days, six is the work days of man. Man will work six days, and the seventh he'll rest. And of course, the old ancient scholars said that God would have six days, six days from Adam, from Adam until the end of time, or 6,000 years, a day is of the Lord as a thousand years, a thousand years is one day, one, two, three, four, five, six, he'd have six days, and then you've got eternity, then eternal seventh day. We don't believe in a seven and a thousand year millennium. We believe that seven is the number of full completion. How can there be a thousand years? In fact, I just, this just hit me. How could there be a thousand years and yet have something that come after that? Because that, this would be incomplete, wouldn't it? That wouldn't even stand up under the scrutiny of seven being the number of completion. So, so when we find six days, you find six work days throughout this first. These are not six days of creation. You got creation mentioned on the fifth day when God creates man and the animals. But the creation has to do with breath. 
Forming has to do with putting the clay together. When he formed man of the dust of the field. And some of you will say, well, why did he say in the 26th verse that he created man? He said, uh, now I'll go ahead and mention this. When people say, uh, when people say, well, Jesus, there's only one uh, person in the Godhead, and it's Jesus, and you've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus only, and uh, there's not three persons. Well, there's certainly more than one person. We know that because the word God, the word God is E-L-O-H-I-Y-M in the Hebrew, and when you find I-Y-M or I-M, that is plural. And when God said, when Elohim said, let us make man in our image. Let us. You mean, let us, me, Jesus, me, singular. No. Let us, us is plural, isn't it? And God is plural. Now, I told, uh, uh, I was, uh, Renee, out, Renee Tucker out in California, she called and said, I'm talking to this person and, and they won't, they said they don't believe Jesus is God. Well, Jesus, and Jesus never called himself God. Well, certainly called himself God. In John the 8th chapter, he said, he said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it. And the Pharisees said, thou art not yet 50 years old, and you've seen God? Or you've seen Abraham? He said, before Abraham was, I am. When you said I am, you were saying, I am the I am God of Exodus, the third chapter, when Moses said, what will I say when I go down to Egypt and I say, tell Pharaoh, uh, let, let uh, the children of Israel go. What if the children of Israel ask me? He didn't say, what if Pharaoh asked me? He said, what if the children of Israel ask me, who shall I, who, what is his name? Who is this God? Evidently, they had forgotten about God. That's also sovereignty. They're not coming out of Egypt and being delivered from bondage because they're going to believe God on their own by their free will, are they? He said, they're going to say, it's been 400 years. They're going to have forgotten God. What if they say, what is his name? He said, you tell them, I don't have a need of a name. I am the only God that is God. You tell them, I am has sent me. That's why when Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am, they would, will kill you for calling yourself God. They took up stones to kill him. Why do you think they took stones to kill him? Kenneth Copeland said, Jesus never said he was God. He certainly did. He said, I am. He didn't have to say, I am God. If you said, I am, you were in trouble with the Sanhedrin. That's why Babylon says, I am, and none else beside me. I shall not suffer the loss of children. Babylon said, I am my own God. Now, in fact, if you want some verses, I've got a whole bunch of verses on why Jesus is God in Revelation, the first chapter. Didn't he call himself the Alpha and Omega? He says he called himself the Almighty God. And what did Mary say? What did the Holy Spirit say to Mary? Said, you will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Does that sound like Jesus was God? Huh? Zerny's God. And the Word was God. It actually says in the original, God was the Word. That's what it says. God was the Word. I mean, I got so many 
I'll come back to that. I don't have time to go there right now. I can go through all those. I got a whole slew of verses. I got them written down in the front of my Bible here. Uh, when the Bible speaks of uh, when Hosea said there's only one Savior, the, in, there's only one Savior, and when you go into the New Testament scriptures and the Bible speaks of God, our Savior, over and over, there's only one Savior. That's Jesus and speaks of Jesus as being the Savior. And the Bible calls Jesus God our Savior. And I don't have time to go there. Let's go back over to the first chapter of Genesis. Now, now, where was I? Gosh, goodness. Okay. I'm on the third day. The third day, God called it verse 10 or verse 11. God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and fruit tree, fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. It's already upon the earth, isn't it? It's in the muck. It's in the chaos that was created in verse 1. Create, bara, means to speak out of one's... This actually is a righteous word. It means to cut and to feed. This is the beginning of the agape love feast. I got I to gotta read this to y'all because the people here will understand it. I think I'm going to read it. If I can find it. I've got a... A, uh, I was watching an opera the other night. Very, very interesting. Now I ain't going to be able to tell you what it is. Uh, Y'all will understand this. Well, I don't have it down here. I'll have to bring it back later. Uh, Y'all have to excuse me. For, forgive me. I'll bring it back later. But I was watching this opera, and they were talking about the love feast in eating of truth by drinking the blood and eating the bread. And it wasn't like some small potatoes Christian opera. It was Placido Domingo was singing all these words of eating the bread and drinking the cup, this drinking of truth. And this is one of the three tenors singing this. And I thought, I started writing, talking about the love feast and we talked about eating, eating flesh and drink blood meant to eat and drink of truth. And that had to do with looking after the widows and the orphans because it had to do with the Nazarite. And I don't have time to explain that again. Let's go back, let's go back to verse 12. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And the word good is T-O-W-B, T-O-W-B. It's actually pronounced tove. The V can, the W, that's a wolve or a volve, and it can be pronounced V. It actually sounds tove in the Hebrew, and it means beneficial. It is the same equivalent word as agathos in the Greek, agathos, and it means beneficial, and God's got six days of making and forming. Six days of making and forming are the works of a potter. We are the Thou art the, we are the clay, thou art potter, and we are all the works of thy hand, and that's, that's equated with the six work days of God, and there'll be six days. And, of course, there was four days from Adam until Christ, and two, two days or 2,000 years will be the last days or the last 2,000 years, uh, and then his coming will be. Then look here in verse, and he says, uh, It was so. It was so is mentioned six times. Six is the number of man. Man works six days. And in this six days, God's going to perform a blood baptism. 
In fact, that word six, or that word, it was so, is mentioned six times, and it is the word K-E-N in the, well, it's actually, they, 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 it, they, they uh, translated K-E-N, but since there's no vowels in the uh, Hebrew language, it's just K-N. Now, in Gematria, there has been a, there has been a, uh, there has been a, a numerical number given to each one of the Hebrew numbers, and the word, it was so, the word so is K-N, and it is the cough, the cough, the cough, K-A-P-H, and the noon, and the noon. The noon is the N, cough is a K, and that's real simple, isn't it? Kin. The cough is equal to 20. The noon is equal to 50. That adds up to 70. It was so, so equals to 70 because, and so it's mentioned six times, and man in his work days has to go through a blood baptism, and that is what is so, and then he pronounced, it was good. And it was good Tovei was mentioned seven times in the New Testament. The last time, the Scripture says it was very good. And I'll just go ahead and mention this. This word Tovei, good, it numerically, the numerical equivalent, it adds up to 17. 17 is a very significant number because the word David adds up to 14, 14 and 17, 14 and 17 is, adds up to 31. 31 is the word L. L is the word almighty. That's the word when we say El Ohim. L is one of the words for God or almighty. 17 is the word good. And 14 is the word hand or David. David adds up to 14. And David and hand are the same, add up to the same thing. And beloved adds up to two times 14. That's the church, and that means to reach out the two hands and embrace. And that's what God has done to us. And you've got 14 bones in your fingers. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. And then from, then from the from the fingers up to the, up to the shoulder blade, you've got 17 bones. And I know this is an accident, isn't it? You've got 17 bones. You have 31 bones from the tip of your finger to your shoulder. Well, that's revealing an arm. That's 31. Almighty means 31. And when the Bible says, when, when, when Isaiah 53 says, who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? To reveal an arm means to roll up the tunic, tie it on the shoulder, and wield a sword and fight for a people. That's the Almighty performing the goodness of God by the hand of God. Now, I know it's accident. Let me give you something that's really good here. You see, all of this continues to add up. And uh, have I missed something here? No, let's keep going. All right, now, I want you to look 
The fish are created on the fifth day. Fish, fish, five, air, fish, five, air. Those all are equated. Fifth day, the fish are created. Now, help me. How am I going to get into this? I'm fixing to go into, get on your walking shoes, because we're fixing to walk in something deep here. And verse 20, fifth day, God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly and the moving creature that he that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. There's, they fly in the firmament, don't they? That's proof that the air above us is the firmament that separates the waters from the waters. You understand what I'm saying? That's another proof that that's the air above us because they're flying around in the firmament. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth. He took some of the dust and breathed into the whales. Now, I don't know exactly what the time factor is of him creating the whales, but I do know that the fifth day he creates the fish, doesn't he? Which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Well, I forgot to mention verse 13. When every seed brought forth fruit after its kind, the evening and the morning were the third day. And resurrection comes on the third day, and life, or the fruit-yielding seed, comes forward on the third day, doesn't it? Jesus arose on the third day, didn't he? Now, let's go back down here. He created whales and every living creature that moveth, which water brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good, and God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. That's when he created the fish, wasn't it? Fish. Let me write down fish. Now, the word fish, you got plural and singular for fish. Now, let's add these up in Gamathia, okay? I think you'll find this very, very interesting, adding up fish. You got two words for fish. You have daga, D-A-G-A-H. And you have the word dog. Dog is singular. Daga is plural. Okay, now, let's put down this word fish. In fact, we know that they worshiped Dagon or Dagon. They worshiped Dagon, didn't they? The worship dog is fish and the fish god. Let me just show you Dagon. And they equated the fish god with the moon worship, which was, which was the day before. Uh, what am I going to give you here? Okay, hold on a second. I'm going to show you this. Here's a picture of Dagon. Here it is right here. The fish god. And it was easy for them to worship the fish because they called the air 
in the womb, they called the heir, uh, what did I do in my, throwing a pen didn't work. They called the heir in the womb the fish. Why did they call it the fish? Because it stayed in the womb surrounded by the water. When the woman's water sack bursts, it, they, it has water around the baby. Here's the baby. And it's in a water, it's in a, in a lake. <coughs> it's in a lake of water for 40 weeks, isn't it? When you read in, uh, in some of my anatomy books, it'll say 40 weeks. The, it doesn't say nine months. It says the baby's in the womb 40 weeks, doesn't it? Well, that pen's not right. right. Get this one in. Or, let me just say it this way, 40 sevens. 40 times seven. Isn't that right? Four is always the number. That's the baby being in the womb, or the air, or the fish. And the baby outside the water, outside the water that surrounds the baby, is a lake of blood. You had two pictures of the baptism, didn't you? And that's called the afterbirth. And when the woman's water breaks, that's giving off and the baby is about to be birthed. So the baby is in the womb 40 weeks and God tells Israel in the 26th chapter of Leviticus, he tells them four times, I'm going to punish you seven times for your sins and that'll bring you to maturity. I'm going to punish you seven times for your sins. That'll bring, make you mature. And he says, I've got four judgments, sword, famine, pestilence, and the beast. That will mature Israel. What matures the baby is 47s, doesn't it? Exactly it. And that was called the air, or it was called the fish. Now, here's the fish god, Dagon. They worshiped him, and that was nothing but the deification of Noah. Why did they call Noah the fish god? because they called the ark a great egg or a great fish. And what came out of the ark, they said Noah gave all of the earth its sciences. You see, Satan never initiates anything. Satan counterfeits everything. He takes righteous men. What was the Babylonian worship? Wasn't it the reinstitution of Adam and Eve worship in the garden? Yes, it was when Nimrod was deified in the stars by his mother, Semiramis, and he was Hercules and she was Venus. It was nothing but a picture of Eve and Cain, the mother with the babe in arms, that was the Madonna. Now, gosh, I've got so many things to go into. I've got fish gods. Oh, man, I've got all these. Let me just kind of, it's easy for them to get the worship of fish. This comes out of Nineveh and its remains. This is a, a book... Uh, Debbie and I have, but uh, he brings out here, Semiramis of history was invested with a semi-sacred character. She was the daughter of the Syrian goddess, half fish, and young man of the country, or the merman. And where do we get the mermaid? From the same place. When it was the female deity, she was called queen of heaven. Venus was... Venus, Venus was called Queen of Heaven, Venus, and Venus Day was Friday, or F-R-E-Y-A, Freya Day, and Freya Day means the day of the fish. Freya means fish. That's why the Catholics eat fish on Freya Day. People say, we're not going to worship on Sunday, that's the day of the sun. Yes, and Monday is the day of the moon. And to this day, T-U-E-S, T-U-E-S, 
Tereus is another name for Mars. Tuesday is Mars Day, and Wednesday is W-O-D-E-N, or O-D-I-N, Odin's Day, and they get that from A-D-O-N-I-S, and that comes from A-D-O-N-A-I, Adonai, which is the word for our Lord. Everything is a pollution of truth. Woden's Day. Thor's Day is Thursday. Thor's Day. The great god of war. Freya Day and Saturn Day. That's why the Jews called it the first day of the week, the second day of the week, the third day of the week, fourth day of the week, and so forth. Now, let me just read this to you. She was the, Semiramis was the daughter of a Syrian goddess, half fish and young man of the country. You see, that wasn't so alien to them to worship the heir of the kingdom because the heir was called a fish. Being exposed at her birth, she was brought up by birds and was ultimately transformed into a dove. That's what Semiramis was the picture of the dove. And what was it came down when Jesus was baptized? The Holy Spirit came in the form of a dove. And always the female deity was called the queen of heaven or the tree goddess. And she was represented as the dove. And the Holy Spirit moved upon the face of the waters as a, like a dove would move, very gentle. And from her mother, the Syrians worshipped the fish. And from her own apotheosis, the dove became a sacred symbol among the Syrians. And the dove or the birds and the fish were created on the fifth day, weren't they? I've got so much on. I've got all kinds of... I've been trying to get to these things. Uh, water gods. A vampire was a water god. That's why you sprinkle holy water on him. That's why the only way to keep a, a vampire in his in his coffin was to run, run water upon him and that was baptismal regeneration and that's where we get the baptismal regeneration that was taught when Noah came out of the ark they deified him and they said the water saved him no the water didn't save him the kafar saved him didn't it pitch the ark within and without with pitch baptism saved him but it wasn't water was it and when the Bible says as eight souls were saved, it says by water in the King James, but it doesn't say by water. It says dia in the original text, and that word is through. The water was the judgment of God 1,356 years after, after Adam. But the baptism, you see, that's why we get all this water gods confused because we get baptism regeneration out of the water gods which was a picture of Noah, and that was the fish created on the fifth day, and I'll get it further into that. When he said pitch the ark with pitch, the first word pitch, kafar, is the same word as atonement. Atonement, or it means to appease. In fact, over there in the 32nd chapter of Genesis, when Jacob was coming back from the land of Haran, and he said, and he said, uh, Bilhan, Zilpah, y'all go out ahead of us and take four, you take 400 sheep and you take uh, 400 goats and, and, and present these to Esau that we may appease his wrath. The word appease is the word kafar. means to cover the face. Cover it with all of these gifts so he won't kill me. That's what Jacob said. And me and Rachel will we're scared and we'll take up the rear back here. And that's why you can, that's why you can take the water gods. That's even where the bobbing of apples comes from, the water gods. I don't even know if I have time. 
in the highlands of scotland apples and sixpence were put in a tub of water at halloween or all hallows eve or Samhain of auricular purposes the person who could extract either of these articles from the water with his mouth without using his, his teeth was regarded as likely to be very lucky you see all of that comes out of the same system now let's go back to I've got to get you into the fish okay fish oh I gotta give you this first wait a minute let me give you this word fish let's let, let's add it up dog haw let's add this up because you got to see this you got to see this to believe it got two words for fish the air in the womb was called the fish it's called the fish now all right here's the word dog haw it's daily here's the daily now the daily you got to be careful that you don't confuse it with the resh the resh comes down like this. The resh, the R, the dalith, or the D, has a little hook on the behind it. And you know what that's called? What's that called? It's a tittle. And what's this right here? That's a yod. That's the smallest letter in the Greek, in the Hebrew alphabet. What's another title for? Jot. Not one jot. Not the smallest letter, nor one tittle will perish from the Word of God. Sometimes you can take, in fact, when uh, the Bible says that thou shalt not take, uh, that we're only to have one wife, and if you change one tittle, it says thou shalt have many wives. Just change the tittle. I brought that out one Sunday morning. I, I'd have to go back and find it in my notes. But uh, you can change one tittle and change the whole opposite meaning. That's why he said one jot or one tittle will not pass from the Word of God. You can't change any part of it. He said, I change not. Now, this is very interesting about the, about the Dagah. Here's the, well, I wrote it down. Now, here's the, here's the, here's, that's a D. Remember, there is no vowels in the Hebrew language. So, you've actually just got Dagah. And you've got dunk. That's all you've got. So you've got a dalet, which is, which is four. Then you have a gimel. Gimel is uh, hooked like this. This is a gimel. This is a dalet, D-A-L-E-T-H. These are the two. This is how the word fish adds up in the Hebrew. Here's the dalet. The gimel is three. And then you have the het. This is an H. The het, this is a dalith, this is a gimel. G-I-M-E-L. This is a gimel, or a G, it's a G, this is a D, this is a G. Then you have the, the het, this is an H. A het, that's a het, and that is five. This is fish. What do we have? Twelve. Right? Twelve. That's the word fish. Well, let's look at the other word fish. What's the number of the complete church? Complete church. What's the number of the refined church? What do you think the other's going to add up to? DG. DG. Seven. Right? 
Now, that's the refined church. Jesus fed. Jesus fed. Had two different feedings recorded in Scripture, didn't he? John 6. Let's go to John 6. John 6. Y'all have to bear with me through this because this is a real complex thing. And I'm looking for something here. I don't want you to see this. Yeah, here it is, right here. Right here. Okay, now. The bread and the fish are equated together. Fish and chips. I guess it's something like that. Fish and All right, now. Now look here in the 6th chapter of John. 6th chapter of John. Let's go over here. Here's the, here's the feeding. Here, this is the first one we're going to look at. The other's in the 8th chapter of Mark. All right. 7 is the number of refining baptism. 12 is the number of the complete church. There were 12 tribes in Israel. There were 12 apostles, right? 144,000, 12,000 out of each tribe. And that's not a proper numbering for literal Israel. That's a numbering of the church because Levi was numbered in that seventh chapter of Revelation and Levi was never numbered with Israel because that was the priesthood. Levi was the 13th tribe. God split the two sons. He split the tribe of Joseph into the two sons of Ephraim and Manasseh. That made up for the tribe of Levi that he set aside that was never numbered with Israel. Now look here in the sixth chapter of, of John. Uh, Let's read here, uh, let's start reading here uh, in verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And the great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain and there sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company coming to him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them. Now, the word penny is the word D-E-N-A-R-A-R-I-U-S, -E denarius. That was a day's wages for a laborer or for a, a Roman soldier. One denarius was enough to feed a man for a day could feed one man. He said, we've got 200, we've got enough food for 200 men. That's it. And how many did they have following in here? Had 5,000 here, didn't they? That every one of them may, t may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two fishes. If you notice, five and two, seven, it adds up to the feeding of the church. But what are they among so many? You've got bread and fishes, don't you? And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. They only numbered men. They never numbered women or children. So there could have been 10, 15,000 people here. But he, he brings up, he uses the number 5,000, and five is the number of grace all through the scriptures. Jesus in five has to do with the fish. In fact, 
the noon, the noon, the noon, here's the noon right here. The noon is an N. Here's the noon. It's made, it's made, it's made like, it made, it's made like, uh, like so. It's this right here, the noon. Where's the noon? The noon. Here's the noon. This is fine on the end of the word, and it's made like this. And you say, Jim, those all look somewhat alike. Yeah, they sure do. You've got to learn the difference, because if you don't learn the difference. And the value of the noon, what day was the fish created on? The fifth. And he's got 5,000 he's going to feed, and the value of the noon is 50. Ten is always a righteous multiplication. Any number of ten, a hundred, or a thousand is a righteous number, and it reduces to the same meaning, basic meaning as five. That's what the Hebrew said. It still reduces to five. So when you've got the noon, the noon is equal to 50 or five. That's the common number. Now, look at verse 11. Jesus took the loaves when he had given thanks. He fed 5,000. There are 5,000 there. Jesus took the loaves when he had given thanks he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down and likewise of the fishes as much as wood. And when they were filled, he said unto the disciples, gather up the fragments of what? Of what was left that remain that nothing be lost. And they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves. They filled five baskets, uh, they filled 12 baskets. 12 is the number of the church. They had 12 baskets of bread. 12 is the number of the complete church, isn't it? Why 12? And he tells you why, so the church can be completed. And filled 12 baskets with the fragments of five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. And he said, so that nothing be lost in verse 12. You ought to mark nothing be lost. 12 has to do with none lost, doesn't it? Well, the whole context of this is still in meaning when you go to verse 37. Here it is right here. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down to, from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me, and this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, all the church, the complete church, that of all that he hath given me, I should lose none of the twelve. Isn't that what he's saying? So twelve is the plural dogal. That's the complete church, isn't it? Twelve. Dogal adds up to twelve. That's the plural form. That's the total number of the fishes, isn't it? And... The, and this has to do, what this does, this verifies 2 Peter, the third chapter. Go to 2 Peter, the third chapter. Then we'll go back to Mark 8. Then we'll go back into the fish again. Now go back to 2 Peter. 2 Peter, the third chapter. 2 Peter, the third chapter. Down here in verse... 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward or toward us. 
And Paul is, uh, Peter, I've got Paul writing Peter's writings again. Uh, Peter is writing to those who are of like precious faith in verse 1 of the book. He's only writing to the believers. He's saying, God is long-suffering toward us, men of like precious faith. He's not long-suffering to the scoffers up here in verse 3, knowing this first that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust, saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation, and they're willingly ignorant that there was great chaos at one point. And then he says that the, everything hasn't continued as it was and that a day is with the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day in verse 8. And then the original text says, he is not willing that any of us should perish. What it, it implies is the 12, or the 12 tribes of Israel, or the 12 apostles, which is the completer total church. He's not willing that any of us should perish. That's what, this is an answer to the scoffers. This is all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And of all that he has given me, I should lose nothing. And this is the total number of the church, the 12 baskets of bread, isn't it? Let me go slow on this because, are y'all understanding that? Now. Um, that's dog mm -hmm. I mean, that's just fish, right? Yeah, that's the word fish. It's the fishes. That's the, that's the, Huh? That was the that was the bread. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. But is fish. That's right. Yeah. I'm gonna get the bread. Okay. Give me time. <laughs> well, in fact, no. I'm, I was gonna give you. I was gonna give you the total of the loaves. The loaves and the fish add up to the same thing. Oh. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? <laughs> I like it. I love it. Well, let me go ahead and give you loaf, okay? No, wait. Let me go back to Mark 8. Then I'll give you loaf. Let's go back to Mark 8. So 12 baskets, none would be lost. That's the complete church, isn't it? And that's the plural fishes, and the fish was the baby in the womb. That's called, they call it the fish. That's why it was easy for them to worship the heir of God. They worship Noah as Dagon the fish god. Now, look at Mark 8. Mark 8, this has to do with the refined church, and this is where he feeds 4,000. And how long is the baby or the heir in the womb? 47? He feeds 4,000 with seven, doesn't he, here? 4,000 with seven. Let's read it one more time. Ah, the days, those days the multitude being very great, having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him and saith unto them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way, for divers or diverse or various of them come from far. And his, we get our word diverse from that, divers. I couldn't understand that. I thought that meant somebody diving in the water when I was growing up. And his disciples answered him, from which can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? And he asked them, how many loaves have you? And they said, seven. They have seven loaves. And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks and break and gave to his disciples to set before them, and they did set them before them, for the people, 
and they had a few small fishes, and he blessed and commanded to set them also before them, and they did eat and were filled, and they took of the broken meat of the broken. This talks about the broken bread. David said, a broken and a contrite heart, the church has to be broken, and we're broken by baptism, aren't we? Seven is the number of refining baptism. And he says, the broken meat that was left, seven baskets. This is the broken church by baptism, and the singular is seven. So the number for fish is seven and twelve. That's the number of the church, seven and twelve, isn't it? Let me give you the gematria on the word loaf, okay? This will help clarify something. Here's the number of the gematria. Everyone understands what we're talking about when we say gematria, don't we? Gematria is just the numerical numbering at the creation of these languages, and God used this numerical equivalency to show this great, magnificent creation and write everything down in a systematic order. Now, let me put this over here. Let me uh, pull this over so y'all can see this more clearly, okay? Now, let me write the... Uh, let me put the word loaves in gematria up here, okay? Here's the word loaves. It's artus. It's the word A, A, R, that's a row, the alpha, the tau, the omicron, the upsilon, and the sigma. This is the word bread, artus. The alpha, of course, is one. The rho is 100. The tau is 300. The, the omicron is 70. The upsilon is 400. And the sigma, the sigma is 200. What do we have there? Now, what is 1,071? What's the significance of that number? Well, let's look at another word. Go over here to Romans. Go to Romans, the 8th chapter. 8th chapter. Remember, the air is called the fish. In the air, we are all joint heirs, aren't we? And as heirs of Christ, he calls us the bread, doesn't he? Paul said, we being many are one bread, we are the loaves, aren't we? Yes, we are. We're the loaves. We're the bread. We being many are one bread. Let's go back over here to Romans. Where's my... Hold on. I've got to get all this together. Here it is. Okay. Here we are. Now, Romans, the air was the fish. The air is the loaf. I just can't stop me now. I'm not even starting. <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay, let's go over here to Romans... I hope this isn't too complex. Romans. I'm just going to give you this. and Oops. Okay. Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 17. Or verse 16, 17. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. Sum martyreomai is the word beareth witness. Of course, I don't have time to go there. I'll stop right now. That we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs... And then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. 
Now, let's look at the word joint heirs. The word joint heir is soon, it's the word soon clara nomoi. Soon, K-L-E-R-O-N-O-M-O-I. Of course, it comes from soon and kleros, meaning to fill up with the nomos. Soon, fellowship, kleros, nomoi. It's what the word joint heirs is. Now, let's look at this word joint heir. Pull this over here. Joint heir, here's the word joint heir. It is the, it's the, here's the, here's the sigma, that's 200. Here's the upsilon, that is 400. Here is the, oops, N, excuse me. N, the new, the, the, the new, that's three. Here is the, the K, that is 20. Then you've got the lambda, that's 30. Here's the eta, the eta is eight. The rho, the rho is 100. The Omicron, that's 70. The new, that's 50. The Omicron, that is 70. The Mu, that's an M, that is 40. Then you have the Omicron again, that's 70. Then you have the Oda, that is 10. That adds up to 1,071. Oops, fellow heirs is the bread, isn't it? What is? 1,071. 1,071 is seven times 153, isn't it? Yep. Seven is the number of baptism, and the fish in the net have to be baptized, don't they? Look at John 21 one more time. John 21. And we know that, that just Peter probably threw out some of the fish to make it come out exactly the way it came out, right? John 21. That was just his limit. Yeah, that was his limit. <laughs> <laughs> they had a limit on, on bluegill that day, didn't they? Okay, now, let's read here in verse Peter said, I'm going fishing on the third verse. He said, I go fishing. Then in verse, uh, let's start here in verse 6. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. And they cast the net, they cast therefore, and now they were not able to help go, draw. In the fish. John 6, 39, Jesus said, Of all that the Father giveth me, I should lose nothing. And then in verse 44, he said, No man can come to me except my Father which has sent me. Drag him in. Hilco. He didn't say kind of had a magnetic pull and then you have to accept Christ. Unless God drags you in and the fish ain't going to, well, I, I feel compelled to, to accept the net. I got in. Stupid. <laughs> no. I feel compelled to be drug in. And I'm, I feel this magnet. It's kind of like every play of magnets your kid. You pull it far away but never quite gets to it. And you. No, that's not it. 
This is the word helco, the same word as John 6, 44. I'm going to drag in all the 12, and I'm going to refine them in seven. He said four times, four judgments. I'm going to punish Israel seven times for this end. Look at verse 7. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked. And, he, and naked didn't mean like what we say naked. It means just to have the little cloth on. And he was embarrassed. And did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were 200 cubits, dragging Helco dragging in the net with fishes. As soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals and fish laid thereon and bread. And Jesus said unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of great fishes and 153. I know it was an accident. Peter probably had all this figured out ahead of time. He said, we're going to get rid of all the fish out of there except 153. Yeah. 153, and all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. None of them were lost, were they? 153. Boy, that is a, that's the number of the, of the fish. That's the number of the bread. And that's the number of the heirs, isn't it? Let me give you goodness. Let me give you the word net. The net. The net. The net is what captures the fish, isn't it? Huh? And when we're captured by God, we have to be obedient, don't we? What is the word? You remember the word eight? Shimona in the Hebrew, S-H-E-M-O-N-A-H. Shimona comes from the word shama, meaning to hear. This word shimona is the word eight. It comes from shama, and shama is the word hear. It's also the word obey. The eight has to do with obedience, doesn't it? Well, let's look at this. Here's the word net. The word the is toe. The tau, the tau is, is 300. The Omicron, the Omicron is, is 70. And then you have the, you have the word D, the, 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 the delta, the four, then the elta, 10. Then you have the, the K, the 20. You have the tau, the T, the 300. You have upsilon. Upsilon is 400. Then you have the, the, the Omicron, 70. Then you have the new, which is 50. This adds up to 1,224 or 8 times 153. What's 153? That's 9 times 17. 17 is good. And the word nine is the word tet. We get the word T-E-S-H-U-V-A-H. And that is a word that means to repent. Nine represents repentance. And what is good is the repentance of the, of the... Let me give you something here I've got to get to before I... Let me give you fish, okay? Fish. 
fish. Here's the word fish. I-C-H. Ichthyus. We're familiar with that. I-C-H. T-H. Upsilon. Upsilon. Epsilon. Sigma. The elder is 10. The key is 600. Or the chi, however you want to pronounce it. The theta is 9. The Upsilon is 400. The, the Epsilon is 5. The Sigma is 200. This adds up to 1224 or 8 times 153. Now, let me give you just a couple more of these. I know this doesn't prove that God's done all this magnificent work. I got to give you if I can find my book, I'm going to give you this. Uh, what did I do with my orange book? Is it up here? Y'all see my orange number book. Here's one. Hold on. Y'all don't leave. This is too interesting to leave. Here it is. Now, let me read something to you. Okay? Isn't God unbelievable? It's just magnificent, isn't he? Now, Sons of God, is that the heirs? Huh? It, when you call that the heirs, sons of God. Let me move this out of the way because you've got to see this. Sons of God is mentioned seven times in the Old Testament. Seven times. Sons of God. God. Are seven specific places. Here's the sons of God. Sons of God is ben Yah Elohim. ben Yah Elohim. Here it is. Sons of Ben, son of, Ben, ben Yah Elohim. Yellow, H-I-Y-M. That means sons of, H-I-H-I-M. Okay, Elohim. Now here it is. You've got the, 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 the Baeth, here it is right here. Look here. And here's the chart under it. If you want copies of that, you can have it. Here's the, the Baeth. And the Baeth is, let me give this to you. The Baeth is two. Then you've got the noon. Here's the noon. The noon is an N. That's 50. Well, I tell you what, I'm bad. I've got to practice my... There's the noon. Well, it's right more like this. That's 50 in the, in the gematria. Here's the yod. The yod is 10. Here is the het. The het is 5. This is sons of God. When the sons of God looked among the daughters of men, when the sons of God, in Job, that's in the 6th chapter of Genesis, when the sons of God came before uh, God, when they came before heaven, came before God in heaven. That's they, this is the word. And here's the het. And here's the aleph. Boy, this is... I've really got to practice my Hebrew letters. Okay. There's the aleph. Here's the lamed. The aleph is one. The lamed. Here's the lamed. And the lamed is 30. And here is the het. The het is five. This is Ben Yah Elohim. 
Here's the hat. And then you have a yod. And the yod is, is 10. Then you've got the mem. The mem was said to be the womb. That's an M out of which the, and usually the mem has an opening here. That's the opening to the womb, the Jews said, where the mem, where the noon is born. And the mem is 40. What does that add up to? One, five, three, and that's mentioned seven times. Seven times 153. Now let me give you something else about 153. This is, uh, do you think God has created this thing in exact order? I guess he has. Let me, let me give you this. This is, The expression ketesis, K-T-S-I-S, K-T-S-I-S, that is the word creation or creature. The creation, talking about we're new creatures or new creations. Ketesis, theou, T-H-E-O-U, in the Greek adds up to 1224 or 8 times 153. But let me give you something that's just utterly amazing. This is E.W. Bullinger, but I've got, I've got another book here, The Pattern and the Prophecy. I'm going to give you something out of this that's just mind-boggling. In the record of the miracle itself, there are some remarkable phenomena. The word for fishes is by Gematria, 1224, 8 times 153. The words for net is eight to, for 8 times 153. Quite a new thought has recently been given uh, by Lieutenant Colonel F. Roberts. Of course, he lived in the 1800s. Mr. Roberts is dead, too, uh, unless he lived a long time. Who finds that amongst the multitudes who receive direct blessing from Christ, of all his miracles... How many do you think he performed? How many miracles do you think are mentioned in the New Testament? 153. And he's got them all marked down here. Let me just read it to you. We, we append his list with one of two alterations. If any names appear to be missing, it will be found in examination. There's a good reason for omitting them. Nathaniel is the same as Bartholomew. So if he performs a miracle for Nathaniel is Bartholomew, the son of Tholomew. That's another, that's just, that was Nathaniel's other name. While Matthias and Barsabbas, Joses, Bar Bar Barnabas, Stephen, though they were many others, he may have received blessings from Jesus and probably did, yet it wasn't stated. It's stated that miracles were performed 153 times. Of course, Zacharias, Elizabeth, John the Baptist, Joseph, Simeon, and Anna are not included as they are all blessings before the birth of Christ. He's talking about the number of times he gave blessings, and he numbers every one of them right here. And how many times each one of them is mentioned? The leper, Matthew 7 and 2, was once. The centurion his servants. In verse 5, there's two two blessings to the centurion's servants. And he goes down through here, the blind man, the dumb man, the eleven apostles, 
the man with the withered hand, and he goes through here, and they all add up to 153 miracles. Let me show you something that's really amazing about 153. This is in the pattern in prophecy. Some of this stuff's pretty heavy. Now, I don't trust these guys. Let me tell you what I do. Everything I've given you, I've added up myself. I, if I give you gematria on the board, I go and check to see if they made a mistake. Because sometimes they'll disagree with one another. And so I go back, and I don't use all their gematria. Has everybody got this? Yeah, is that known that's, on the That's an N. Okay. Are those both 50 or they both three? Huh? See that moon, two, that long word down? See the two moons in that word? I'll have to, wait a minute. Hold on a second. I've got it, I've got it wrong. Hold on a second. I've got it wrong. We'll add it up, though. Hold on. I've added it up. I know what it is. I've, I've just written, I've written one of the letters down wrong. I'll have to, hold on. Hold on. Y'all ain't going to leave, are you? Okay, the noon. Okay, S, where are we? S U G K. That's a K. S U G K L E R. S U G. That's a. Excuse me. That's a G. That's a. Yeah. Okay. That's what's wrong. That's a. That's a. That's a gamma. I'm sorry. I had noon. Sug, claronomoi. Because sug is also the same as soon. Right. So it's sug claronomoi. That's what it is. Sug and soon or soon. I mean, y'all heard me say that, hadn't you? So that's a three. Okay. We got it. Thank you. Now. No, that's not an N. Gamma's a G. I, it's sug. Sug is the, when it says sug claronomoi, it's just a variation of soon. Okay, I thought up there in the spelling it's well, it's, it's not. I, I spelled it wrong. I said soon clarinomoy. Soon clarinomoy would be the same thing as sug, because sug is a derivation of soon. You've heard, you heard me say that on Wednesday night, hadn't you? Well, Y'all have heard me say it, hadn't you? Yeah, sug is a derivation. You got sug, soon, sum, sum, and you have su, and you have soy. All those are derivations. It's just a different character of the word. It depends on how it's set up in a word. But let me give you this. This is really, really good. The Son, of course, Son of God, the word fishes adds up to 1,224, but I want to give you this because this is just, they have something called the Trinity function. Trinity function means a number that is, let me write this down. I'm going to give you this and quit because I can go through, I've got so many things on gematria that I've never really given y'all. I've had this on the lows ever since the last time I did this. I just didn't give you the lows last time, didn't I? And it adds up to 1,071. Now, you know, when people say, well, <laughs> over y'all believe my predestination. We don't believe in predestination. Predestination is baby. <laughs> That's beginning baby talk compared to this. That God has not just preordained his family. He's preordained everything to happen in exact fashion the way it's happening, isn't it? Now, the Trinity factor is that every... Trinity factor, the, the alphabet is, is created in such a magnificent way. I don't know, I've missed, there's a lot of stuff I just don't have time to go through. Uh, 
One-third of all numbers reduces. What's one-third of the Godhead? Christ or the Holy Spirit in us? And then that number equates to down to 153. All numbers in the Greek language, every third number reduces what they call by the Trinity factor reduces to 153. It's one of the most significant numbers in all of, math, in all of, all of mathematics. Let me show you what they're talking about. And I'm going to use their illustration. You take any number that's divisible by 3. Not 1773, 1776. They started with 1776. Here's what they call the Trinity factor, and I'm going to get into triangles. The Trinity factor is because you have something. Numbers are very, very complex. You have, you have all of our numbers divided up into triangles. Now, there's two triangles that are really significant to us. That is the Trinity factor. What are the two triangles significant to us? And when you get into the Trinity factors, I'm going to go into this sum. That's two triangles. That's what it is. Now, let me just give you this because this is very interesting. I like to teach on the gematria because I believe God has arranged this thing so magnificently. When they're talking about the Trinity factor, they're not talking about take any number divisible by three. 153 is what every third number or everything that's divisible by three will reduce to. And when you get up to the 2,000 mark, 2,000 mark, you get to the 2,000 mark, it repeats again. So all you have to do is go to the number 2,000 and reduce downward back to 153. Do you know how many, how many numbers are divisible? How many numbers are divisible by 3 from 1 to 2,000? 666. We ain't going to go there. At all. <laughs> Doesn't that just break your head? Ah! You think God hasn't planned this program? Here's what they mean by a Trinity factor. I hope, and I'm not trying to get everybody to understand all of this. All I'm trying to do is show you how magnificent God has arranged this whole thing. Here's the Trinity factor. This means to take a number and and what you do, you take each one of those numbers and you add them up. You add, you actually add them. You take and you, 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 uh, cube, you cube each one of these. Or you go to the third power. That's a cube. This would be a, a cube root of nine would be three. Or not, not, excuse me, 27 would be three. Three times three times 3 is 9, times 3 is 27, right? Well, to cube root something means to 1 times 1 times 1 is 1. So you take the 1 and you add the cubes. 1 plus 7 cubed plus 7 cubed plus 6 cubed equals, I'm just going to write it down, 903. Then you take 903 and you, you cube it down. 903 cubes the trinity factor. The Trinity is Christ in us. One-third of the Godhead reduces to 153 is what it does. And that's every time in mathematics. You say, what's the big deal about this, Jim? God has magnificently arranged this thing so tremendously that if this don't put you on your face before God, there's something wrong with you. 
this this kind of beats the socks off of the uh, uh, the, the the code, the Bible code. When you get into the numbers, the Bible code seems very elementary because I can't begin to start even telling you half the things in these books. These guys are mathematical geniuses. They put these things down. And I've added these up myself. So you take the 903, you add 9 cubed, 9 cubed, plus 0 cubed, 0 times 0 times 0 equals 0, plus 0 cubed, plus 3 cubed. And that equals 756. You take 756, you take 7 cubed, plus 5 cubed, plus 6 cubed, and that equals 684, 684. You take 684, and you have 6 cubed, plus 8 cubed, plus 4 cubed, and that, in 4 cubed, that equals, seven, that equals 792. Look. Even though, you go, even though you go up in value at certain points, then you take 792, 792, where do you think this is going? It's going to 153 is where it's going. You take 792, 7 cubed plus 9 cubed plus 2 cubed, equals, plus 2 cubed, equals 1,080. Not, it doesn't matter that you go up and down. It reduces. Then you get 1,080. 1,080, which is 1 cubed, plus 0 cubed, plus 8 cubed, plus 0 cubed, equals 513. The adverse, 513 are the equivalent, same numbers, in here now the 513 has got some other got some meat it's a mixture of the 153 but you take 513 513 which is 5 cubed plus 1 cubed plus 3 cubed equals 153 just pick any number that's divisible by three. Three is the picture of the Trinity. One part, a third of all numbers reduces to 153. A third of the Godhead in our lives reduces the church to 153 feet. Is that right? You say, Jim, why bring all these numbers out? It shows you what a magnificent orderly arrangement that God has. I've got I've got so much in this book. I want to get into teaching some of the triangular things, but he's showing this as the numbers reduced down of the fish in the net. Uh, there's so much in here. Y'all want to come by and look at this book. It's a magnificent book, but be sure if you do this, get the chart. If you're going to do this, don't trust these people. I've got so much gematria I hadn't given to y'all yet, uh, but sometimes I give this to you till it about fries my head and then I have to quit and uh, let me see here if there's anything I want to give you I've got a bunch of things on Gematria y'all can take these and copy them like that David here's the word David the Vod 6 4 and uh, 6 4 is 10 and 4 is 14 that's the word that's hand that's David uh, I've got down here beloved is is hand twice and hand twice would be 28 wouldn't it or 4 times 7 
And you say, Jim, all that's accidental. I'm sure it is. Well, we're going to stop here, and I'm going to come back and give you some more gematria. I hope, hope this don't hurt your head too much, but it does mine. Uh, this is a good book to get. This is Numbers and Scripture by E.W. Bullinger. This is the pattern of and the prophecy. This will really, really, this will fry your brain right here. This has got so much stuff in it. And they go into <coughs> triangular numbers. Triangles are, y'all remember triangles, prisms? Two things that refract the seven colors of the rainbow, triangular prisms and hexagonal shaped prisms. And the star of, in the, the menorah from the top was a hexagonal shaped prism or it was two triangles. And that's in the layer of your eye and we're the light of the world. And light is refracted and light is a composite of seven colors of the rainbow and it starts into your eye and goes through, it goes through the lens of your eye and the lens of your eye is triangular shaped prisms that are one five thousandth of an inch thick. And then it hits the, then it hits the, uh, then it hits the cones, it hits the cones, which are hexagonal shaped prisms in Jacob's membrane, that's the outer lining of the retina, and whoever discovered that and called it Jacob's membrane knew that the cones refracted colors and refined colors in the retina of the eye, so they call that Jacob's membrane. And you've got triangular shaped prisms, and you've got hexagonal shaped prisms, and the hexagon is a six-sided, or is six-sided, or it's two triangles. And I'm going to get into some of the triangular things. Triangles had to do with the Trinity. So all numbers divisible by three, every third number reduces to 153. Christ in our lives reduces to 153 with the number of the fish that Peter caught in the net, and that's the air or the joint airs, or that is the fish, or that's the bread. And it all reduces down, and you can say, well, these just things happen to come out. Let me tell you, this is just the beginning of gematria. We're not even, we're just barely touching it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for truth. God, help us to understand that you're just a magnificent God, that you've not just arranged our lives and preordained us, but you've arranged these things in a magnificent fashion just to let us see these things. Father, thank you so much. And God will praise you and glorify you. Just give us the ability to see. Help us to understand these things, Lord. We, we don't understand it for our glory, but for yours. And Lord, we'll give you praise and glory for all things. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.